Hello. Hello and welcome to another episode of Where's My Freaking Dressing Room, a podcast where we discuss the world of classical music and what things are really like backstage. My name's Helen. And I'm Alex. And today we are picking up on what we feel is a very timely topic. We are going to discuss music college auditions, the things that they don't tell you. Oh, so many things, aren't there, Helen? Countless things, yeah. <laughs> Good luck, everyone. Ha <laughs> ha. We are very aware that we're coming up to that difficult kind of Christmas period where a lot of people will be auditioning potentially for their first undergraduate course, potentially for a postgraduate course, potentially for a programme that will start next September. And so we wanted to throw out some observations, but also some hints and tips alongside to try and say, yes, this is how things might be. But here's potentially what you can do about it. So Mm -hmm. we thought to take you through the episode. We try and walk ourselves through the classic kind of audition day. So we're going to start off with number one, travel. (laughs) Number two, getting to the audition. There's probably going to be people that you know at the venue. How do you handle that? How do you deal with that? Are you a cool kind of cucumber type character or does it kind of get up in your in your head a little bit? Does it start to stress you out? Does it does it take you to a, a place that you don't really want to be for an audition? Moving on from that, the accompanist. So many questions. How do you work with the accompanist? Are you strong and decisive? Are you quiet and unsure? We, we're going to take you through some of our thoughts as to how best to work with that. Moving on, we'll then talk about the audition itself. And in particular, the space. The performance space, the warm-up space. Will there even be a warm-up space? Time will tell. Finally, we'll move on to feedback. Uh, It's a tricky one, and it's probably the hardest one of all these topics that we're going to cover. We're going to talk about the ways in which some colleges offer feedback and your attitude and approach to receiving feedback in relation to that. And we'll finally close it out with, at the end of the day, no matter what happens in any of these auditions, these experiences don't define you as a musician. But we'll come to that later on. Without further ado, let's crack on and start talking about travel. I want to do some train sounds. That's me on my train. Uh, the gap, please. <laughs> Next stop, pain. <laughs> So that's uh, me on the tube. Uh, just just making sure I have a lot of time oh, yeah. for my travel. Oh my goodness. I want to arrive there. I want to be, I don't know, aim to get there half an hour to 45 minutes early probably. Yep. So that at least you have time. If you are really early and it's really cold and rainy outside, they will let you in, let's be honest, probably. And maybe you'll even get an, an extra space to rehearse or warm up or whatever. Why not take the added stress out of the travel just to, like, I'm going to be there. It's no problem. And then if I've forgotten something, if I've forgotten sellotape my music, if I've forgotten my concert dress, uh, a big sequin garb for me, obviously. <laughs> Very busty. Uh, if I have forgot, I don't know, if I've forgotten anything else, then I have the time just to sort things out and not stress too much and keep calm. I think as well... A lot of these auditions are taking place in London. And as we know, London travel can be perilous at times. Um, If you're the unlucky soul that has that 9.30 a.m. audition, you are probably going to be dealing with some rush hour traffic. So Mm. leave yourself 
that extra 30 minutes, that extra 45 minutes, so that if you have to miss three Northern Line trains because they're fully packed, it's actually okay. Okay, it's annoying, but it doesn't mean you're going to be late for the audition. It doesn't mean you're going to be late for the warm-up. You have the luxury of extra time. When I was um, younger, I don't actually know about you, but I always... I always thought it would be better to have more sleep and therefore travel as late as I possibly could so that I'd then, you know, kind of get to the venue and I'd go straight in, straight into the to the warm-up and, and signing all the forms and, and cracking on with the audition itself. But actually, I found as I'm getting older, same as you, I want the luxury of knowing that I'm not going to be late. And actually, mm. like, I personally find now that I need the time to settle myself a little bit in the in this space. I'm not saying I need hours, but maybe something just like 20 minutes just to say like, okay, you're here, you've made it, everything's fine, you've got everything you need, and now it's time to focus on the task at hand. I think for something as important as an audition and for all performers, we're keen in any audition situation to show ourselves at our best, is it not therefore only right that you give yourself the time to be as best prepared as you possibly can? I I literally don't know a soul that finds London transport soothing, calming, a relaxing place to be, a place in which you can focus and prepare on whatever's coming. I I just and and people that do find the London tube uh, calming, you're insane because freaks. Yeah, exactly. it's the most stressful place to be there's thousands of people it's noisy it's underground it's dark it's dingy so yeah i do want a little bit of time when i come above ground just to you know literally get a sense of my bearings you know the fact that i've made it i've made it on time i've got minutes to spare and it gives me it just gives me an extra five minutes to almost put the mask on of like mm. okay it's audition time time to That's present exactly myself it. And here's how I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Also, you don't wanna you don't wanna arrive all like gross and sweaty, and then you're like constantly uncomfortable for the rest of the day. We've all been there. Oh no, my don't gosh! Do it. Yes, yes. Actually, in Switzerland, where I live now, oh, surprise. Um, I have to cycle a lot, and so I'm turning up to a lot of things now, like essentially warm and sweaty and it's like i don't want that so take a change of clothes take whatever you need because yes as you say you don't want to turn up super flustered you know you you you're putting your best foot forward however that may be and you therefore deserve the opportunity to turn up in a in as calm and relaxed way as you possibly can. Uh, Yeah, and also I remember at music college on audition days, you knew when they were happening. uh, And if you happened to be in the building at that time, it was quite amusing when you saw people like floundering, you know, just legs akimbo, music flying out of their ears. And it's like, what is going on? And those, you know, it's not, not that you get a black mark by your name by any stretch of the imagination, but like people do remember. Oh yeah. And you know, you know, the admin people might just be like, Oh yeah. Like that person was a disaster when they arrived. Ha ha. (laughs) Yeah. If it's unavoidable, then kind of like not own your lateness but there's nothing you can do is there yeah you've just yeah. gotta like somehow you let them know calmly yeah there'll be something they can do yep. they can fit you in it's not the end of the world definitely and like if you are late as you say these things happen these really unfortunate things happen and that is just a fact of life but certainly something i've tried to kind of learn recently is like look if i'm late then i'm late 
and there's no point me sitting there freaking out about like how can I pull back two three four minutes to get there just a fraction early if I'm late then I'm late mm. and and I'm gonna have to kind of just settle into it and and you know if I turn up late but I'm still on my game and I'm still offering like as best a version of myself as I possibly can then at least I feel like not all is lost. Whereas if I turn up late, I'm really flustered. I'm not able to sing because I'm so stressed. Then it's all just gone down the pan in that in that one moment. And that's such a shame. Because even if, you know, if you have the opportunity, it's, it's about trying to make the most of it. Mm, of course. And also something that's, that it will become a theme, I think, in this episode is the idea of sort of taking as much uncertainty out of an already uncertain experience. So this is really step one of that uncertainty, isn't it? You know, you can you can control as much as possible of this transport element, this boring part. Moving on then, you've made it to the audition venue, spot, wherever you are, the field, I don't know. Something that we wanted to talk about, which again is something that I don't feel is talked about enough is you are highly likely in these circumstances to bump into people you know whether that be other people that are auditioning as well whether that be people already at that particular institution that are friends people you know whether it be teachers coaches uh professors whoever it's it's just quite often a likelihood that you might Mm. see these faces and i think Something we're often not very prepared for is how do we handle those interactions? How do we handle those conversations? And I certainly remember being in some uh, situations where, yes, I was auditioning and I bumped into people that I knew that were already there and they were telling me who was on the panel and they were telling me about the people on the panel and being like, oh, well, he's quite a tricky character. So I would recommend thinking about maybe doing this and maybe doing that. And it's like, but that wasn't actually my game plan. And now I'm trying to change my game plan at the very last minute. And at the end of the day, that's not the way to go. You don't need that kind of information. That's not very helpful on audition day. That's the kind of information you need weeks in advance. So yeah, you can least. prepare a program that is, you know, particularly suited to that to that type of person. So when you are kind of interacting with these people, certainly from my end, I've taken to having maybe three or four lines of conversation that I am going to engage with. And then once that, you know, small talk is over, I'm like... Okay, I'm, just go- I'm, I'm going to the toilet. Oh, I really need to go to the toilet now. Sorry, I'm just going to go now. Oh, I, I, oh I'm getting a call from my mum. I'm really sorry, I have to go. But anything that can get me out of that conversation, because I don't want to now spend the 20 minutes I have until the audition talking. I don't want to tell no, myself no. out doing that. I want to be getting into the zone. I want to be taking my time to think about how I want to deliver this audition performance. But essentially advice that I'm trying to give here is have three or four lines of convo, you know, whatever they might want to be like. Brexit. (laughs) Trump. Obviously, it has to be a little bit flexible, depending (laughs) on the person in front of you, darling. So, you know, if it's somebody else also auditioning, uh, you could just be like, oh, I didn't realise you were going to be here today. Maybe something about the past that you both share. So like, I don't know, did you have a nice summer holiday in Blair? Maybe one more is like, what are you performing today? And then you're off. You are mm. out of there. Skedaddle. You made the conversation. It's all 
information that doesn't affect your audition performance and you are done. Because when you start talking about people on the panel, people that have auditioned before you, people that have auditioned after you, uh, how people are feeling in general, uh, it's... it's. They might be like, oh, yo, and I auditioned, it was a disaster. Right, and yeah, it's like, yeah, I yeah. don't know, I don't care. Ah, yeah. Ah, shut up. And you don't, you just, you don't need that conversation on that day. And I still, and I can't do it yet though, like... I'm trying to build up the confidence to one day just be like, hi there, oh, it's really, really good to see you. Um, I just need to stay focused for the next kind of 45 minutes. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to take myself away and, and deal with that. Because in, in essence, that's what we want to say. Yeah, you know, exactly. like, lovely to see you, now's not the time. Mm-hmm, I'll see you in an hour mm-hmm. when this is over and I'm decompressing. But right now, I need to stay in one very, very particular frame of mind. And also that like, that's not, that won't be insulting to them because they've been through it as well. And that's the thing, but we're so, so British in our like, oh no, I don't want to be a fan. And also I think, well, probably both me and you exaggerated versions. It's like, got to come across as friendly and fun. Oh my God, I know. So, you know, like even actually something I do do just before going in is like have idle chit chat with the admin person because normally they're quite fun and they're bored and you know oh, yeah. at least you can i don't know try and crack some jokes but and that sort of that does relax me but occasionally i used to do it too much and just like and either like get myself out of the zone a uh also tie myself i don't know c or number three whatever i'm on now just i don't know stress me out <laughs> so but i i do know that there's there's a level that that i like yeah, and I've learned that now, which yeah. has been good. Yeah. But don't don't like try. You know, who are you impressing? Huh? As you say, we are quite similar characters, and I can totally relate to like you've got this nervous energy, and you're so it's kind of just coming out of you in every direction. So if somebody starts a conversation with you, you're just like, oh my goodness, I have so much energy, and it's going to come out in this really comedic, clownish kind of performance. But really, like. Yeah, you need to be harnessing that energy in such a different way. It needs to be kind of focusing inwards and almost calming yourself down rather than Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. allowing it to kind of take over. This is a call for Helen Daniels to costuming. Once again, this is a call for Helen Daniels to costuming. And now, probably the next person you'll meet, be presented to, will be your accompanist and the lovely person who will be helping you in the audition on the piano. So, how do you deal with this accompanist? Do you go in really timid? Do you say, oh, here's my music, oh, do you mind? And do you feel a bit embarrassed and do you feel really indebted to them? No, you don't. You need to be confident. (laughs) Not not a dick, obviously, but you're going to be like... (laughs) <laughs> you know, rehearse, know the bits in your music that are going to be tricky ensemble-wise, mm-hmm. uh, that are, that might be tricky for them to read, you know, if it's a dal senio and not a da capo, for oui. example, you know, the classic example. Obviously, the rehearsal is for, for the pianist as well, but it's also, it's ultimately for you also, isn't it? So that your audition could go as smoothly as possible. So know what you need to do. Yeah. You know, if, if the accompanist wants to run everything... And you really can't persuade them any other way, but you really don't want to run everything. Just don't sing some of the time. Just yeah. mark, it's fine. You really don't, like, I, 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 at my auditions, I was like, and step one begins here. I've got to impress the accompanist. And it's yeah. like, what a dumb thing to do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, there's just no need. Uh, and they will really appreciate it 
if you're really on it, just be like, watch out for these bits. Uh, this is what I would like you to do. If you could, could you add a 6-4 chord there or something really lame? I don't know. Anything like that. <laughs> just so just so that they're put at ease as well. Yeah, yeah. Because most likely they're coming from having played 25,000 that morning already. So they're a little bit flustered slash tired slash bored slash just don't give any shits anymore. <laughs> so, you know... The, the most that you can do to make it an enjoyable experience for them as well as yourself, I think, is just very beneficial. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like, learning to have that confidence with somebody you haven't met is is crucial in this kind of situation. To be able to, you know, it's a classic example. You give your music over, the accompanist starts playing, and it's the wrong speed. To be confident enough to just be like, I'm really sorry. Uh, actually, I'd, I'd prefer it to kind of be a, I don't know, either quadra equals whatever or to offer a demonstration of your speed and equally I also have been in situations where I've set the speed and because I'm nervous I have set the incorrect speed three times as fast yeah and then you know it starts and you're trying to sing the aria and you sound terrible but you feel so embarrassed that you set that speed and it was wrong that you don't want to say anything but it is so much better for everybody involved if you're like I'm really sorry I don't know what I was thinking just a second ago. Actually, it should be, you know, quote is whatever. But I think particularly if you're going to go into these auditions and work with a pianist you don't know, having that clarity of knowing the tempo that you want your pieces to be at, as you say, highlighting those difficult corners. And yes, again, as you say, at the end of the day, it's not for you to give a full performance at this moment in time. It is just to make sure that you guys are together and then you can deliver your best in the audition room. You do mm. not need to give a full performance to no one because this accompanist is not the person that will be deciding who's coming in next year. So mm. mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. that was something that it took me a while to remember. I would go in and I would literally sing myself into the grave and then turn it, you know, literally three minutes later, you've got to do it again. And you're like, oh my goodness, like, I'll never make it. <laughs> Often the accompanists know the panel very well because, I don't know, they're students in the conservatoire as well. So, again, it's like, if you, they might put in an odd word being like, oh, yeah, like, they're really on it in, in terms of, they, they just seem quite, like, calm, relaxed. Uh, it was really great, like, what we did in the rehearsal. Uh, they were very professional in the sense that their music was very well presented. Uh, you know, wasn't double-sided it was just what i needed it was sellotaped thank you uh it wasn't a disgusting addition you know they'd they'd thought about all of these things and and again you know on the on the flip side of that like don't be a dick to them uh (laughs) because they will they will feed that back probably yeah yeah i think when we say like be confident in no way does that mean be bossy be rude be be arrogant it, you know we're saying just know what you want and deliver mm. that in a calm measured and professional context like you would in any professional working situation you don't need to go in and, and treat an accompanist like shit because you think that makes you look good because surprise it doesn't. it doesn't um but i think also another you know alongside some of these tips something which i would potentially do differently if I had, you know, more maybe time and resources, I think I would have brought my own accompanist. I would have 
brought for all my auditions somebody that I worked closely with already um that was happy to kind of come on those six dates Mm. and take those six auditions with me because you know something we mentioned before is that idea of trying to take out as much uncertainty as possible from the audition process and if you're able to go into an audition with almost like a friend or somebody that you know well that knows you that knows how you sing these pieces that knows your general behavior that really is such a I want to say safety net because even if say you then make a mistake in the audition hopefully this person knows you relatively well and can kind of catch you as you trip and and allow you to kind of keep going on moving forward with the eye whatever yeah Yeah. shining like the star you are but yeah obviously of course it's not possible for everybody to to have an accompanist for all of their auditions you know that really is the kind of best case scenario I think Mm -hmm. if you're able to do that but I don't know, depending on your situation, say you're an undergraduate and you're about to head into postgraduate auditions, is there an undergraduate pianist or an accompanist in the year below you that perhaps, you know, is looking for that experience and looking to kind of keep working in chamber projects? Could you could you work something out together that allows that person to then play for you and for those auditions? Or, you know, could you apply for some funding that allows you to then pay a professional to come in and play for you? There, there are options and I think for some people the the nerves that come with working with an accompanist they don't know are so great Mm. and Mm -hmm. that can therefore detract from the audition experience and if that is the case then what are your options to allow you to work with an accompanist or a pianist that you know and that you feel comfortable and safe with yeah exactly yeah it's it it will i'm just going to repeat the the idea of like taking uncertainty out of an already uncertain day like it's it's just it's so simple in a way yeah but like you really just don't you often you don't think about that no you know also i was like no of course i can't take my own company or, or i didn't even cross my mind bizarrely yeah so like, why didn't it because i i did and then i saw other people in the year below who did that and i was like oh i wish i had yeah that would be really fun yeah, and then it's it's also nice to have someone who you really trust yeah. to maybe I know we'll we'll talk about feedback in a minute, just to afterwards so that you have someone who's like, Oh, that was great, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. or or if you weren't happy they were like, What didn't hear that? And they're lying through their teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say I didn't know if because of COVID whether you can still take your own accompanist. I don't know what the we'll come to this as well. We've got many thoughts. But um you know, hopefully as things continue to recover and get back to normal, taking your own accompanist will be an option. I just, I'm not actually quite sure what the Good rules point. and regulations are right now. Especially if they've got COVID. Yeah, yeah. can you bring him in? <laughs> <the> super spreader. <laughs> <laughs> I'm changing. Okay, and next, what is the space going to be like? Dun, what dun, is dun. the... what what is the warm-up space going to be like what is the audition room itself going to be like what is the waiting area like uh, for the 15 minutes before you go into the audition room all these things can really throw you off if you're not just mentally prepared to for something new essentially you know we've all spent so much time recently because of COVID obviously uh in our houses and singing in our rooms you know we might be having regular coachings and lessons in our room over zoom which is fine but you do get really used to the similar the the exact same space absolutely set up and layout um and you might get really used to the idea of 
not focusing on your screen, but say the painting just above the screen or something, that yeah. painting won't be there. I'm really yeah, sorry. Yeah, like, it just won't. <laughs> oh, do you mind if I hang this paint up over your... Uh, yeah. <laughs> they won't like that. Just a prop. <laughs> <laughs> a blurb doll of yourself or something, yeah. <laughs> Again, so many audition rooms are either... They're, they're extremes, let's be honest. They're either a padded cell or they're a bathroom, a swimming pool sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, I know. You'll never get one that you're really pleased with. But, and and similarly with the audition room itself. But try try your best not to be put off and just, just be, just trust all the hours of practice and preparation that you've done. Mm-hmm. Trust in yourself and lose yourself or try to. Try to lose yourself in the experience and in the moment, you know. This could be the last time you sing this aria or song or whatever. So just enjoy it. Don't don't think, oh, it's really dry. I better push. <laughs> no. Pushing's no. never good. Don't do it. Really. <laughs> yeah. I always do so, you know. <laughs> I think as well, we're told to, and it's probably the, one of the hardest things as singers at the very least to think about, the idea that you shouldn't be listening to the sound you're creating. Um, mm. You should be focusing quite specifically on sensation and, you know, where can you feel X, Y, and Z? How is it resonating inside your, you know, skull or whatever? And like, do you have any physical tension? Do you need to deal with that? Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, you're asking your ears to switch off, your physical body to switch on and to just lose yourself and lose yourself in delivering the the music that you've chosen. Um, that's incredibly difficult, but the idea is sound. So, you know, if you're in a big boomy bathroom or if you're in a, a, a wardrobe, I don't know, it's not really about how you feel your voice sounds in that space. It's about literally sensation. What are the things I do every time to deliver this aria well? Let me do them again. And I think, you know, probably the the toughest circumstances in which we face this are where you go into an audition space that is far far larger than anywhere Mm. you've sung you know within the last kind of two three months or whatever and that's really tough because your inclination is to for some maybe not for all but yes to fill the the space with your sound and often that results in some serious pushing but it really in a situation like that it's about doubling down on what you know, doubling down on good, safe, healthy technique, trying not to listen to how your voice sounds in this space and focusing quite specifically on sensation. And I think as well, just one other thing in line with kind of spaces and rooms, it's so, so difficult, but it's like you kind of in a way, (laughs) it's impossible, but you want to be prepared for anything. But I know that's impossible. It's impossible to be prepared for anything. However, try not to expect quite a prescribed situation or setup or whatever. Then you put yourself at a better advantage of of kind of dealing with these circumstances in a in a better, more positive, more impressive way. Also, you know, allow yourself space to perform. Yeah. As in, you know, Oh, the judges aren't going to be like sitting on top of you. <laughs> they're, or they're, are they? <laughs> Squid Games and, <laughs> level seven. <laughs> and also, you won't have to like be in the piano. So just like command, trust, and command the space. Yeah. I know it's a it's a tricky thing to say, but like, don't hug the piano. You know, like <laughs> make sure there is a separation so that. So that you're not swamped, A, eh? and so that your physical being 
can stand alone because you know that you're the one auditioning aren't you um and like don't don't be afraid to you know take up space with your performance don't don't like hinder your movement or don't don't feel like oh it's not a theater it's a smaller room that i was expecting but it's still bigger than my bedroom so like oh i don't really know how big i can be it's like you're never going to be too big let's be honest unless you i don't know go and lick someone but you won't do that <laughs> just <Or> will you <laughs> you know if oh, take some take some steps forward to the side back whatever like don't don't feel yourself in this little box i which i think well, again, like so many of my auditions, I did. It was just like, oh, I got to stand here. I, t- I don't want to be in the wrong place. It's like, yeah. no, nah, there's no wrong place. And then I think the last thing about space is um, a more sort of conceptual space, Ooh. as in giving yourself the space and time to breathe, give yourself the space and time to collect yourself, you know, maybe between between arias or songs or before you even start singing, maybe even turn away. Just like have a little moment, not 10 minutes, but a moment. And then, you know, when you turn around, you're in character, you're ready. You know, I got this. Nailed it. There's no rush. Don't don't feel like you're wasting anyone's time. You know, they're paid to be there. Huh. It's their fault. Just, yeah, take the space for yourself and your sanity. Couldn't agree more. And like the number of times I have felt for some reason because it's like you know you only have like a 12 minute slot or whatever to audition and I'll turn up and I'll just be like I've only got 12 minutes or like I've only got this really short amount of time to to sing my pieces and so I'll just like quickly you know get into the room and I'll start straight away and it's like I'm not ready but I felt so I felt like I had to go now and it, it it's it's not necessary. There is there is flexibility, and if they run late, oh, they run late. Get over yeah, it. Quite. But you deserve, as you you know, as you rightly say, everybody deserves the time just to feel themselves in the room, to feel the ground beneath your feet, to be physically present, and then to begin your performance. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. not too much to ask. This is a call for Alex Simpson, two wigs and makeup. Once again, this is a call for Alex Simpson, two wigs and makeup. And then our final kind of part of the audition process, if you will, or certainly the part that we wanted to discuss today is feedback. Feedback is such a tricky one. And definitely when we were talking about things that they don't tell you when you're signing up to audition and and all these kinds of things is how in some cases the rejection can feel incredibly savage. I'm no stranger to rejection. Woohoo. And, uh, you know, I've... (laughs) (laughs) Clunk. And um, I've been in situations where I've delivered an audition, I've been asked to wait for 10 minutes and uh, they've come out and they've rejected me on the spot. And you have to get that tube home and deal with all of those disgusting feelings that kind of Mm, 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 come mm. inside, you know, and honestly, to be rejected on the spot. I don't know how they should do it, but I'm relatively convinced that's not the way. (laughs) Because it's like you've, as we've already discussed, you have a thousand and one emotions as you arrive, as you deliver, as you go through that whole audition process. And to then, within the space of 10 minutes, be told... Yeah, that's a hard no. You're completely crestfallen and you then have to kind of go away and process that separately. Yeah, yeah. 
That's really tough. Yeah, it's the it's the travel, isn't it? The oh, travel, awful. the reverse travel from the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah, that's really tough. At least if you get an email in the safety of your bedroom or something. I think so. Or like, certainly with, you know, applying through QCAS or whatever, like a lot of them, it, you know, all of the results would kind of come maybe on the same day or like you'd get the thing that's like, you've had a QCAS uh, notification or whatever. And at the very least, then my adrenaline is now high because I'm like, oh God, like it's going to be one way or the other. And at least I know that, well, I know what's coming. It's either an acceptance or it's a rejection. And I'm somewhat slightly better prepared to think about it and handle it and then equally alongside the kind of in-person flat rejection other places one place in particular won't name it but don't need to name it because everybody knows who it is they hand you an envelope so you deliver your audition you sing for 10 minutes you come outside you wait and then somebody comes and gives you an envelope and I'm like am I a contestant on a game show yeah like, you, you know, what is this? Yeah, is this another level of Squid Games? I don't even know. I'm going to reference it again. Squid Games. So um, many. But it's just so uh, impersonal. And maybe you could argue that the in-person rejection is very personal. But to just be given this letter is so um, soulless. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, oh, okay, thanks so much for that. And I'll just take this piece of paper and, I don't know, shred it or, like, you know, burn it. <laughs> on a pyre like what do you want me to do with this this horrific piece of paper that represents my shitness like thank Mm. you so much i just you know and i wanted to bring this up today because i was like you know got to teach people to be prepared but honestly there isn't a lot that can prepare you for those feelings and that kind of rejection however having said all of that rejection is just such a huge 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 part of this career choice people will be rejected left right and center and i'm not saying that the two ways we've just described are the right way to be rejected however i think it's learning that rejection is part and parcel of this whole process and it's horrible and you will feel terrible but it's essentially really how you come back from that rejection that will define you and the musical life that you choose to go on to have yeah, exactly. And uh, it's tough as well because, you know, you might be auditioning for, I don't know, four, five, six places in, let's let's say, December because a lot of them are in December. And what do you do when after the second one you get this rejection? And then, like, by, by audition number five, you've already had, I don't know, four rejections. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, do you, do you carry that baggage with you? Yeah. Or are you like, nah, number five is going to be the best because I've learnt everything that I can do differently better or or just i'm going to be more in the moment or whatever you know it's it's really tough how do you choose to let go yeah incredibly tough and i think again something we've talked about on a few occasions is that concept of journaling and that idea of thinking about the audition thinking about it as objectively as you possibly can and you know when we've talked about journaling in the past we've talked about write down a few positives write down a few negatives try and be as balanced as you can about the performance that you gave and I do think it's important to do that even when it's about auditions where you've been Mm. rejected because it's highly possible that you were giving that audition and in your head you're going oh that's going quite well that's going quite well this is going quite well oh that wasn't great but that also went well and then you get rejected and I certainly for our brains I think the immediate thing is to just tell yourself you're the worst singer that ever mm-hmm. lived and like why are you even pursuing the career because you didn't get in and if you didn't get in you must be terrible whereas really at the end of the day particularly in the UK at the moment 
hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people are applying for a very, very small number of spaces. And so you probably, potentially, might be an incredible performer, but there were just certain circumstances that mean, I don't know, they've already taken four sopranos that year, or, you know, just, there isn't room for you on the course. And that's tough. That's a really tough pill to swallow. But yeah, I think, as you say, can you turn up to audition five thinking this is going to be the one? And that to, to, to do that takes such strength and resilience. And I have such respect mm. for people that are able to do that. But, you know, that's an incredibly hard thing to cultivate, I think. Mm, yeah, exactly. And also, it's something that, you know, we've mentioned a number of times, you know, making sure that, as you said, you know, you give yourself the time to write down positives and negatives of what happened. And also write down the entire day being like, oh, this is what the travel was like that day. And oh, that's why I was pretty flustered, actually. And that's why I was a bit hoarse by the time I got into the audition itself or, or you know, whatever, just so that you're like, oh, yeah. Not that it wasn't my fault, it was other people's fault, but you know, you can you can take some of the like crushing culpability away from yourself and your talent. It's like, no, there were external factors that got in the way that day and they were they were unavoidable. And, you know, I can't blame anyone for that. So in a way that helps, I think sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. And I think something else we were considering in this line of feedback and rejection is the the kind of process of of asking for feedback and um Mm. i think we come from slightly different angles on this uh but from my experiences i think it's totally right to ask everybody for feedback because you want to see what people's impressions of you are and and how did you present to somebody that's never met you before and what are their thoughts however i think we have to be careful about taking that feedback as gospel mm. on you and your worth as a musician whole because nobody really is performing at their... Pe- well, that's not true. I'm sure some people are. But for many, the nerves that come with an audition will mean the performance is slightly compromised. Uh, and aside from that, you just might not have been at your best on that mm. audition day. But say you get some feedback that tells you you have no support and you have no resonance and you have something else that's terrible. Are you going to sit there and be like, oh, I don't have any of these things. I must be I absolutely therefore terrible. One has to be careful when receiving the feedback to kind of really consider it in the context of the audition given. You can't just be like flat out like, oh, cool. I don't know how to support at all. <laughs> as, as oh, yeah, I've only been doing this for five years and it turns out I still don't know what I'm doing. But, you know, think about it and think like, right, why do they think that about the audition that I gave? And and try and, you know, consider the feedback as contextually, I think, as you possibly can. Mm. And also, you know, these people, they're hearing, I don't know, billions of people per day uh, and over the course of the week. So the feedback might just be some random thing that they jotted down and they're like, oh, yeah, you were... You were the guy with the red jumper and the blue socks that clashed. So all I can remember about you is that, I don't know, your high notes were terrible. Or whatever like that. And it's like, you know, oh, great. So what, what, yeah, you could, you could think, oh, okay, I really need to work on my high notes. Yes, that's useful. Thank you for the feedback. But also, let's be aware, you know, they probably don't remember terribly well. Yeah. And, you know, at least they're having the decency to, to try and say something rather than like, we do not offer feedback because of this and this and this. I think, no, something you were trying to say though, Alex, is like, 
you believe in asking for feedback. Yeah, it is their duty to give me feedback. I, I really strongly believe, you know. I know there's a lot of us and it requires a little bit of extra work for the panel, but how on earth is anyone supposed to develop if they're doing audition after audition, competition after competition without any feedback? It yeah, makes yeah, yeah. no sense. And what did I pay angry. £120 for, if not to just receive some flipping feet? I'm asking for two to three salient sentences. Mm-hmm. And like, if you can't write that down while I'm auditioning, then that's, you're not doing your job. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Even if it's, you know, observations, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever it is, it doesn't matter like, oh, you didn't really seem very comfortable in this moment. That's still useful to some extent rather than like, no, no feedback. Full stop. Goodbye. All cast, all cast. This is your five minute call. Repeat. All cast, all cast. This is your five minute call. So we're going to close out on two things. One is a nice wrap-up and one is a little addendum. In the wrap-up, uh, at the end of the day, I think Alex and I agree that no matter what happens in your music college auditions, whether your tube is late, whether you talk to 100 people and you get yourself really stressed and your voice is hoarse by the time you go to warm-up and you meet an accompanist who's very stern and doesn't want to talk and doesn't want to help and keeps taking all the pieces at the wrong speed and you go to a room that's too small and then you get a letter of immediate rejection these experiences don't define you as a musician okay Mm. these are auditions they are they are hurdles that we have to jump through in this career but it doesn't completely devalue your worth you haven't all of a sudden lost your ability to make music because you didn't get into this place that you wanted to get into or you didn't get in somewhere that you were considering for for your I don't know future study whatever Mm. and I think that's an incredibly hard thing for us to actually hear and understand because I think particularly in the UK we're so next step oriented and we are we're always driving towards the next thing and the next thing and also you know education the safety of education is a wondrous thing and you want to kind of stay in the system and train for as long as you possibly can in order to be as good as you possibly can but you know these auditions they're they're a 10 minute window in which someone Mm. observes you and if you're the lucky soul that's chosen congratulations but if you're not like the other hundreds and thousands of people that are not that's okay too but i really firmly believe i think we both firmly believe an audition experience in no way defines one's musical career no exactly and you know if you can just have that mindset for as long as possible throughout the day <laughs> it takes away a lot of stress <laughs> it, I'm, but it's such a hard mindset to have isn't it because yeah. it's like my life has been building up to this very moment for yeah. 25 years and, it's and like, we've no, been taught that these places are the places from which you will have a career and at the end of the day, I actually don't think that's true. But, you know, it takes a, takes a long time to actually come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm, 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 yeah. And then a super, super fast, quick addendum is that a lot of this is based on us being back in in-person auditioning. Um, mm. And I would say our final little addendum on music college auditions, things that they don't tell you, is they don't tell you that you might have to audition by video. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, they're like, oh, yes, please, can we have £120? Thank you so much. And then they'll send you an email saying, hi, can you now send a video? Sorry. And it's like, come again. I thought I was going to get to finally do this 
in person. For real. Yeah, mm. it's been how long and you still can't audition me in person. You don't have the structures in place or are you just lazy? I'm not, I'm not buying that. And I think, yes, we're so much more fortunate in the, you know, we've done the COVID thing. So we now mm. know how to, to make these videos and, and we know some of the trials and tribulations that come with, with video recording. But it's something to bear in mind that when you send off your application, you could turn around and have to, to present yourself video. via video versus having to audition in person. And I know some people that were told it was audition by video and they pulled out because they were like, I'm not interested. Really? Yeah, they were just like, it's a waste of my time and effort. You know, I'm, I'm here to audition in person. And I respect that. Also because yeah, you're still paying £120. It's crazy. It's the same and then you thing. have to pay to record, don't you? Yeah, you know? yeah. So probably, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 insanity. But um, I actually didn't realise that some places in the UK still weren't doing in-person auditions. I was just so, Jeez. I was so surprised to hear that because we really should be working as hard as we possibly can now, in my opinion, to be having people auditioning in person. That's what this craft is about. And that's the end. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um. So that brings us to our, to the end of our stressful audition day episode. Uh, we hope that by listening to this episode, you've relived all the stress that you, yeah. <laughs> that you will have coming up. Maybe five, six times this December. How exciting. Oh, um, but yeah, don't be stressed. It's okay. Take our advice and you'll be great. <laughs> yeah. Take we our advice and then send us your acceptance emails. Thanks. Exactly. 100% guarantee after listening to this episode that you will get in. Oh my God. Oh my God. Lucky you. Lucky you for listening. Um, let us know if you have any little bits of advice, if you have any funny stories to share or whatever, or if you think we're totally wrong, which is wrong, obviously. Uh, yeah, please. And let us know as well, if you have auditions coming up, how are you preparing? Will you take in a, a, like, our advice on board? Do you just think we're chatting shit? Yeah, I think the latter. Um, <laughs> how are you going to get in touch? Uh, via email, which is where's my freaking dressing room at gmail.com. Or via the contact form on our website, which is www.wheresmyfreakingdressingroom.com. Yeah. We also have social media. Don't forget it. We're on Instagram at Dressing Room Pod. We're on Twitter at Dressing Room PO1. And we're on Facebook forward slash Dressing Room Pod. Yeah, we'll be back again with another episode on something incredibly interesting and relevant. So, you know, keep up to date. Stay tuned. Yeah, don't, forget don't forget to subscribe so that you can hear anything we're talking about at any given time, no matter where you are in the world. We're there too. With you, mm -hmm. podcasting, living the dream. Always, always. And a uh, five-star review. I mean, it's a given. Of course. And also, P.S., if you haven't seen the website and all the amazing uh, <laughs> dinner party recipes from the last episode that Helen has put out because she has so much time now, look, it's really Woo! impressive. Wow, so I was shocked. Much. <laughs> so yeah, enjoy check that. It out. Check out that episode. One whole year of the dressing room pod. Look at this It's girl. crazy, isn't it? So old. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we'll uh, catch you again soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.